Welcome to Whores Talk Whore. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello and welcome to Whores Talk Whore. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. We wanted to continue our new tradition of doing holiday-themed episodes. We had a Thanksgiving and Christmas episode. Check those out if you haven't already. And now we are doing a Valentine's Day episode because next week is Valentine's Day, which I personally don't care about Valentine's Day, but we thought it'd be fun to do a Valentine's Day-themed episode. I'll just say right now that I have always hated Valentine's Day, like, I always will. It doesn't matter if I'm in a relationship or single. I just, I hate it. Yeah, Spencer and I never celebrate it. It's one of those holidays that just like puts pressure on you. Like you need to do something or you need to buy something for your significant other or go out to a fancy dinner or whatever. Um, Maybe this is a bad time to tell you this is my favorite holiday, (laughs) Sharon. No, it's not. I've been so depressed every (laughs) Valentine's that we don't celebrate i'm kidding <gasps> you've been dropping the ball for years sharon you never knew Fuck. it <laughs> but you know but like on the flip side of that if you don't have a significant other then it's a holiday that just makes you feel bad for being single so yeah i have a, a friend uh, my friend dana if you're listening hi dana um she told me that for her and her husband valentine's day is basically her saying i shaved my legs for the first time in like this year for you today, honey. And he's like, great. Happy Valentine's Day. Like that's what they do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, (laughs) that's, you know, that's sweet. That's how we roll. Like, (laughs) like us and our friends, like that's our version of Valentine's Day. Um, yeah. I mean, if you, whatever, if you celebrate Valentine's Day, that's cool. It's just, it's not for me. I just, consider it one of those hallmark holidays but whether you like valentine's day or not we hope you enjoy this episode we have a murder story that while tragic there was some positivity that came out of it in the very end Uh, we also have a valentine's day mall massacre plot gone bad and then to lighten the mood a little bit, we have some real life dating app horror stories, plus some suggestions of things to watch this Valentine's Day. So Mindy, do you want to start us off with our first story? Sure. Um, this is the murder of Tara Grant um, on Valentine's Day 2007 in Macomb County, Michigan. Stephen Grant notified Macomb County Sheriff's Office that his wife had been missing for five days. Uh, in his account, Grant said that this was not the first time his 34-year-old wife had left home, which was why he had not immediately reported her missing. He said that on the evening of February 9th, he had overheard Tara talking with someone on the phone saying, I'll meet you at the end of the driveway. He said he saw her get into a dark-colored car that drove off and that he had not seen or heard from her since. They had fought days prior about her traveling too much for her job. A little bit about Tara and Stephen. Tara Lynn Grant was born in Michigan in June 1972. She graduated from Michigan State University, where she earned a bachelor's degree in business, and she soon started working for Washington Group International. Sounds fancy. Her job required her to travel frequently for business, but she had a rising career at the Boise-based company, which had offices around the world. 
She married Stephen Grant, also of Macomb County, and they had two children by 2007, a girl age six and a boy age four. The household also included Verena Dirks, apologies if I mispronounce that, uh, a 19-year-old au pair from Germany. By 2007, Tara was the principal wage earner, and Stephen cared for the children while also working at his father's tool and dye shop. Over the two weeks following Tara's disappearance, Stephen Grant made numerous media appearances, at times accusing authorities of harassment. The day after reporting his wife missing, Grant was stopped by police and arrested for driving with a suspended license. He accused police of using the traffic arrest as an excuse to take him into custody to question him further about Tara's disappearance. Police denied the accusation. They were holding daily press conferences during the search for Tara. According to police, Stephen Grant was less than cooperative early in the investigation. He initially refused to answer questions, but did agree to a polygraph test, but only if it was administered by someone other than the police. On March 2nd, 2007, police executed a search warrant at the home of Stephen and Tara Grant in Washington Township, Michigan. They found a dismembered human torso, believed to be that of Tara Grant, stored in a plastic garbage bag in the garage. They immediately gained an open murder arrest warrant for Stephen Grant, who had already fled the scene. Insane. Two days later, after tracking a cell phone call that Stephen made to his sister, police found the suspect 225 miles away in northern Michigan's Wilderness State Park. He had taken liquor and pills from his sister's house, intending to commit suicide. After driving to the park, he spent the night in the freezing cold with, like, no outer clothing for protection. So, like, liquor, pills, and no winter coat. Awesome. After being taken into custody, he was airlifted by helicopter to Northern Michigan Hospital in Flint for treatment of hypothermia. In a press conference on March 5th, Mark... Hackle, sheriff of Macomb County, discussed a confession that Grant had made to them in the hospital. He confessed to the police in detail about strangling his wife Tara to death on the night of February 9th after an argument in which he had accused her of spending too much time with a co-worker. She had returned that day from a business trip to Puerto Rico. Their two children were at home but were asleep in bed. The fight became violent, and he strangled her to death and dragged her body to the garage while their two children were asleep. He later dismembered her body at his father's tool and dye shop and dispersed parts of her body to Stony Creek Metro Park in Shelby Township. But when he heard there would be a police search in the area, he took part of the body back to his garage. This blows my mind. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. It's fucked up. On March 6th, 2007, Grant was formally charged with count one homicide, murder in the first degree that is premeditated, and with count two, disinterment and or mutilation of a dead body. On April 13th, 2007, the Macomb County prosecutor released Stephen Grant's two-part confession publicly, a transcript of the interview with his detectives, and his own 
handwritten confession. Details included his arguing with his wife over his jealousy over her spending time with a coworker. He also claimed he'd been having an affair with the German au pair, who was 19 years old at the time. Uh, as the argument escalated, Grant strangled Tara in anger. What a hypocrite. So right? he's yelling at her for, you know, spending too much time with her coworker, which could have been like a completely platonic relationship. Meanwhile, he's fucking the basically teenage nanny. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. And then he decided to try and go off into the wilderness and drink and pill himself to death. Well, I'm glad he didn't do that. I'm glad he didn't kill himself so that he can spend the rest of his life rotting in prison like he fucking deserves. Right? Exactly. Uh, Verena Dirks, the au pair, she said that she and Grant had begun a flirtatious relationship a few months into her employment. During her testimony, she claimed that she had felt herself falling in love with Grant and that Grant told her that he too was in love. I'm going to say that her murder had more to do with the fact that he wanted her out of the picture so that he can continue this relationship with the 19-year-old more than it was about her having some, you know, uh, spending too much time with her coworker. That could have been complete bullshit that he just said is like his motive for killing her. I don't even know if that part's true. Yeah, she's a high earner, too. Like, she makes a lot of money. I'm sure that her insurance wasn't too shabby. So that probably played a big factor. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So finally, on Friday, December 21st, so almost like almost a year, not a full year, but almost a year after this all started. So Friday, December 21st, 2007, Stephen Grant was found guilty on the charge of murder in the second degree. On Thursday, February 21st, 2008, he was sentenced to a minimum of 50 years in prison. Tara's family says they will allow her children to read their father's confession when they reach adulthood. Tara's sister, Alicia, and her husband, Eric, are raising the Grant children at their home in Ohio. Over a decade after her brutal murder, Tara Grant's legacy is her children, but it's also her story, one that continues to inspire hundreds of domestic abuse victims. I mean, I I would say daily because I heard I read this and I was like, this is insane. Um. As of 2017, the Detroit News reported that Alicia... Tara's only sibling and her two children are thriving and working to raise awareness of domestic violence. Good for them. They created Tara's Walk, an annual event to raise money and awareness for victims of domestic violence. Uh, Tara's daughter, Lindsay, who is now 16 or was at the time of this interview, said, quote, my mom would be really proud of what's going on. She would not want her death to be unimportant. She would want people to understand that situations do happen. And it unfortunately takes one person to lose their life for other people to get the courage to understand, unquote. Proceeds from the event benefit the Terra Liberation Fund, which provides emergency cash assistance for domestic violence survivors. That is fucking awesome. Uh, Tara's sister added, quote, I witnessed the controlling behavior, but was naive and afraid to step up and say anything to that loved one. I assumed she could handle herself, and that was the worst mistake of my life. Tara was murdered at the hands of her husband, and we knew we had to use what happened to her to make something better of it, unquote. 
What a strong family. That is incredible. I want to say that this reminds me a lot of Lacey and Scott Peterson. Yes. That story. There's a lot of similarities between that. Also, I'm really glad that he's rotting in jail and that her death wasn't completely in vain and that, you know, something good did come out of it, creating this fund to help other people who are in similar situations to get out of those horrible situations. Exactly. And on like a total superficial note, that what a fucking dumbass and coward that guy was. Seriously. Ugh, gross. Enjoy jail, jerk. (laughs) Anyone who I just once again, I mean, we've talked about this before. I just don't understand why men feel the need to instead of just manning up and asking your wife for a divorce if you're not happy or you found someone else why you think you are going to get away with murder they are going to look at you first you are going to be the main suspect if your spouse goes missing or is murdered there is no way to get away with it I mean there it's just it's almost impossible to get away with that and I tried not to laugh but it kind of made me I I don't want to say it made me want to laugh because that sounds weird but like also what based on what you just said like so don't also maybe put the dead body in your fucking garage dismember it at your father's business and then go and pick up the potty parts that you had spread across the like it was like murder 101 for dumbasses with this guy so and plus it was like just heartless and cruel and awful so he got what he deserved enjoy jail Yes, (laughs) Yes, definitely. <laughs> That's what I have to say about that. Okay, <laughs> Sharon, right. I don't know that I've heard about this next one. So what are we going to talk about next? Yeah, I haven't heard of this one either. And it actually has a connection to a town in Illinois that isn't too far away from us. Hmm. Um, so this is the Halifax Valentine's Day mass shooting plot. Oh and uh, the story comes mainly from a Vice article written by Mac Lamoureux. So here we go. The Halifax mass shooting plot was an event that chiefly occurred between February 12th, 2015 to February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2015. Police were alerted to three people identified as Lindsay Suvanarath, Randall Shepard and James Gamble, who were reportedly conspiring to commit a mass killing at the Halifax Shopping Center. Suvanarath and Shepard were arrested and convicted of conspiracy to commit murder, while Gamble was found dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Gamble left behind a blog filled with images of death, shootings, and references to the 1999 Columbine High School massacre in Colorado and references to Adolf Hitler and Nazis. On February 12, 2015, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, or RCMP, in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, received a tip through Crime Stoppers that three persons were planning to commit a mass killing at the Halifax Shopping Center. Two of the suspects, Randall Stephen Shepard, 20, of Timberlea, Nova Scotia, and Lindsay Savanarath, 23, from Geneva, Illinois, had access to firearms and presented a threat. Great. Geneva, Illinois. Woo! Geneva is actually a really lovely town. It right? is actually. It's, it is really lovely. On the uh, 
the Fox River. I've actually been looking um, at houses there because they have very, very low taxes. Yeah. Geneva, we love you. (laughs) Just because this person lived in your town that that does not reflect poorly on you. Exactly. We'll, we'll just say that now. So it all started with a Columbine meme. The meme showed the dead bodies of Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold as they laid sprawled in the Columbine library. Under the gore read a caption, quote, I can't live without my friends, end quote. When Lindsay... Uh, I'm not going to say her last name anymore. <laughs> you did a good a job, l- though. <laughs> it's a long name, and it's kind of hard to say. Um, when Lindsay's, uh, who is the meme's creator, posted her artwork to Tumblr, she used the hashtag, hashtag Columbine. Yeah. Do I have to say hashtag, hashtag Columbine, or do I just say hashtag Columbine? I think you could just say hashtag Columbine. But it sounds weird to say she used the hashtag no, Columbine. Drop the E, oh. or the the. <laughs> She used hashtag Columbine. Okay. She used hashtag Columbine. Thank you. I'm leaving all of that in. (laughs) Well, that's how it was written in the article. But I'm like, do you need to put a hashtag and then say the symbol hashtag? Like (laughs) for editorial reasons, they would for like print, (laughs) like to read. But okay. Vocally, you don't have to do that. I think we should change the name hashtag just back to what we learned it as pound. Pound sign. Or number sign. Right. You're right. Okay. (laughs) All right. Number sign, Columbine. (laughs) Meanwhile, almost 2,000 kilometers, which is uh, 1,243 miles for anyone who's (laughs) not from any other country besides the U.S. (laughs) Or for anyone who... I think you said that right. Did I say that right? I think you might have. (laughs) Okay, good. Um... So 2,000 kilometers away from Lindsay's Illinois home, James Gamble was trawling through Tumblr in his bedroom in Halifax, Nova Scotia, using the same hashtag or pound sign as Lindsay. Gamble soon came across her post, was impressed by it, and followed her. The two hit it off instantaneously, and an online romance blossomed, with the two sexting and planning to meet up. Within seven weeks, Lindsay would board a plane to Halifax en route to meet Gamble. Once together, they planned to lose their virginity to each other. Shocking that they're both versions. (laughs) Um, And then the next day, commit what they hoped to be one of the most horrific mass killings in Canadian history. The internet's so romantic. Right? Just goes to show you there's someone out there for... Everyone, I guess. Jesus. So, Gamble and Lindsay, however, would never meet. Their plan to firebomb and shoot up the Halifax shopping center was thwarted by a timely Crime Stoppers tip and ended with Lindsay serving a life sentence and Gamble taking his own life. The young woman had a hard time creating connections offline and spent a lot of time surfing the internet. Quote, The neo-Nazi beliefs just started by chance on this art website when she came across this one painting and thought, whoa, that's a really cool painting. So she decided to like and comment on it and talk to the artist a little. The artist just happened to be a national socialist, end quote. 
Lindsay said this all started when she was 16. She followed the artist and became more exposed to his beliefs and neo-Nazi artwork over time. This art was her gateway into meeting more national socialists, bonding with them and tumbling head over heels into communities where hate is celebrated, which goddamn, this is just so relevant to like everything we were finding out that happened right prior to the attack on the Capitol, right? Well, I actually... All these right-wing hate groups that were meeting up and connecting with each other in this way. This is... It's very timely, even though this took place back in 2015. No, I agree. And I'm sorry I started talking over you, but I totally agree. I also have another question that, like, just occurred to me, and I find it actually is really relevant to what you just said. Mm -hmm. Um, She was 16 when this started, so... Clearly, a lot of these folks just fell asleep during history class. Like, Nazis did the Holocaust, which was horrific and horrifying. What part of that sounds fun? I don't know. Like, (laughs) I mean, she's not alone, obviously, because everyone knows about the Holocaust. Even Holocaust deniers. I mean, they know know. that. I, I don't understand any of it. I don't understand how you could support Nazis. I don't understand even more how you can be a Holocaust denier. I mean, there's yeah. videos, there's photographs. Like, what did they think all that was created on like a soundstage somewhere? Like, what the by, fuck? By Stanley Kubrick, probably. <sighs> yeah, just I, like the moon landing. Right. I, I don't understand any of it. I don't understand hate i don't under like (laughs) like i don't care how great that picture was like if i start talking to the artist and then he starts spouting off about like you know the white race being great and all good i'm like later (laughs) right oh peace out yeah i'm gonna go uh look at these dali paintings over here instead (laughs) oh Uh. god all right anyway sorry yeah no but i I, i'm interested to see where this is going because it sounds like Well, it's not going good (laughs) so far. Um, So from here, Lindsay got deeper into the online neo-Nazi community, accepted the ideology, and eventually found herself in the most infamous extreme right forum, Iron March. She would eventually end up running her own blog called Coxwastica, where she would post... I I think she missed an opportunity to call it Coxtica. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that would have the same implications. Coxtica, I mean... Is this a swastika with just like dicks in like the lines or something? I have no idea. But I think if it was just called Coxtica, like people could have confused it for like a pot sticker Um, shaped like a penis or something. I don't know. Yeah, the cock stands out a lot more with Coxwastica. Mm-hmm. True. I I really I mean I if I will say I don't know that I want to Google it just because I don't want to like don't in any yeah, way you, endorse don't get this. flagged yeah. by the government. But that that flag better be a swastika of penises is all I'm saying. Because <laughs> that's a missed opportunity if it's not for sure. <laughs> so on her blog, she would post about her own beliefs, uh, her own horrible, horrible misled beliefs at the same time as she was building this far right belief system Lindsay was writing macabre short stories some of which later became well-known creepypastas including one called if a skull could blush 
She decided to include a school shooting into the story and began researching Columbine. For whatever reason, Columbine struck her in a certain way, and much like her relationship with neo-Nazis, she was able to find community with those who romanticized the killings. A group of people called Columbiners, which is how she met James Gamble. For the seven and a half weeks leading up to the plot, the two spoke every day, sometimes for multiple hours on Facebook Messenger, where their relationship almost entirely existed. Amid the typical things a new long-distance couple would do, like sexting and sending photos, the two planned their attack. It went quickly from, oh, you're kind of cute, to, yes, I will get on a plane and we'll use your parents' guns and go shoot up a mall and kill each other like Eric and Dilling from Columbine. Hmm. How fucking romantic. Mm -hmm. It was incredibly fast. They were essentially primed for this moment. The two continued to build each other up online talking about not just the crime itself, but the legacy they would leave behind. Over time, it seems she began to disassociate from reality and began to believe that she and Gamble were being taken over by the spirits of Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. Mm. They decided on the mall for the location of their massacre as it was the, quote, most fun and it would be a protest against capitalism, consumerism, and greed, mm. end quote. Furthermore, the mall would allow them to find their ideal victims, which for James was middle-aged Christian women, and for Lindsay, who is obsessed with eugenics, anybody that was particularly just anybody that was particularly dysgenic looking. Yeah, it didn't really go on to explain what exactly her um ideal <laughs> candidate was for I I don't I don't know and I I didn't really care um because the plan luckily was you know boop. <laughs> that was that was the okay. most perfect thing <laughs> boop the plan was boop um, awesome yeah. okay well what happened okay so <laughs> On February 14th, 2015, they would go to the area of the food court of the Halifax Shopping Center and throw Molotov cocktails. Next, Gamble and Lindsay would indiscriminately shoot whoever was there with a lever action 308 hunting rifle and a single action 16 gauge shotgun, respectively. Gamble would kill any wounded persons with a hunting knife. Their intention was to inflict as many casualties as their ammunition would allow. The shooting would only end with Lindsay and Gamble killing themselves on the count of three. One final homage to Columbine. The weapons they would use were Gamble's parents' guns, and he would kill his mother and father the night before Lindsay arrived. Once she was in Halifax, she would stay with him, and they would lose their virginity to each other, and then the next day, they would pull off their plot. They were to be helped by Gamble's best friend, Randall Shepard. Online, the two began to leave breadcrumbs hinting at their actions. The plan began to fall apart the minute they put their plan into motion. <laughs> Surprise, because you're <laughs> documenting everything on fucking line, <laughs> idiots. Right. Sorry. The, no, you're exactly right. The two were, to put it lightly, shitty criminals. <laughs> they did not keep their plot very secret, boasting about it to several people. Oh, my God. I know. I mean, I thank God they were idiots because otherwise, right. who knows how many people might have died. That's a good point. That's a really good point. 
Uh, a Crime Stoppers tip about the two planning a shooting was called in. That's badass. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure like all of these sites have plants like planted on these sites whose job is it is to, you know, monitor these forums and look for people like this because obviously these forums are dangerous places who like when you have like a bunch of people who are just like expressing their hatred over uh basically every group of people out there who aren't white Christians, dangerous shit happens. I mean, come on. We've seen this over and over again. Or even just like if they're posting about it on social media, even like a friend could have gotten wind of it because it sounds like they weren't really very careful about anything or somebody they went to school with. Or you know, I mean, there's a number of ways. That's why you don't use the internet for important shit. No, that's why you do use the internet for shit like Unless that. Unless you're trying to kill people. Because that's the only way people are going to get caught. Right. I mean, you know, if they're using burner phones or sending snail mail, it's much harder to get caught and like foil plans like this. So criminals keep being dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so that you get caught before you commit a crime. That's why that's why I modified and said, unless you're going to kill someone, then talk about it online all you want. Criminals don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. You should turn off turn off this episode right now. All right. Um, where was I? So a crime stopper's tip about the two planning a shooting was called in. While Lindsay was able to sneak out of her parents' house and board a plane to Halifax, she did not expect to be flagged by Canadian customs for arriving with no return flight, practically no luggage, and also she didn't know what to tell the border officials oh, when she was stopped. Uh, what are you here for? Business or pleasure? Uh, <laughs> murder. Thank you. A little of both. Little column A, little of column B. Murder. Um, I mean, I mean, uh, I, I'm seeing my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been funny if she was just like, I'm here to lose my virginity. <laughs> Um, she said that they went through my items and didn't really like what I had with me. They didn't like my books. They didn't like the little hat I had with me that had a swastika on it. Gee. And from there, the police actually came and arrested her for uttering threats. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it just gets dumber and dumber. At this point, Gamble was already dead. Whoa. While Lindsay was still in the air, the police went to Gamble's house to confront him about the tip. His parents had confirmed that he was home and police surrounded the house and told him to exit. A single gunshot rang out and when they entered the home, police found Gamble had turned the gun on himself. He did not kill his parents, which he was planning to do that evening. So, I mean, thank God that his parents survived as well because that he was planning on killing them before she even arrived. So at the very least, his parents could have been dead. And at least, you know, after that, maybe the rest of the plan would have still been thwarted. But um, yeah, lots and lots of lives were saved. So thank thank you to whoever uh, called into Crime Stoppers that you're a fucking hero. In the end, Lindsay would plead guilty to charges of conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit arson, illegal possession of weapons for dangerous purposes against the public, and making threats over social media. She pled guilty in 2017 and was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Randall Shepard is currently serving a 10-year prison term for his role in the plot. 
The three of them hoped they would inspire more of these shootings and be remembered like the Columbine shooters. While only six years ago, their plot to kill as many people as they could was one of the first cases to force the public to understand online radicalization, extreme subcultures, and the ever-strange world of the extreme right communities. In the end, it's a crime that showcased the power of the internet to build communities in the worst possible way. Which, once again, we've just seen this come, like, you know, out into the open Again, with the attack on the Capitol, this is absolutely something that should be taken fucking seriously. Yeah, and I was actually just watching another true crime documentary on Discovery Plus, which is awesome. They don't sponsor us, but um, if anyone's listening from Discovery Plus and they'd like to, email us. (laughs) When you think about it, too, I mean, 2017 wasn't that long ago, but like in terms of the internet... Things have been changing so much with regulation and all that. I was watching this documentary about like when YouTube stars and influencers first started as a thing. Nobody thought about the fact that people could get out on the Internet and literally reach anybody, including young people, and have such a significant impact on their the way they think and things that they do. And it's just so scary to think yeah like I'm basically validating everything you just said but like it's just a scary thought to be like really anybody if they know how can stumble onto this and absolutely you know if you're in the right state of mind or wrong state of mind depending on how you look at it like you could read something that could totally mess with you and yeah it's it's fucked up but the internet is evil it is we still can't it's it we still have to be careful and keep net neutrality but i do think that different forums and things like youtube and finally like twitter is slowly catching up i do think that those forums and those providers have a bit of responsibility as to the content that they allow or don't allow but that's a whole other topic uh yeah yeah (laughs) i'm glad that she got i'm glad that she went to jail and yeah whoever whoever heard about this and called into crime stoppers well done Holy shit. So let's lighten the mood here a little and tell some dating app stories from hell. Mindy? Yeah. Um, I've used some dating apps a little bit here and there. I've dabbled. Uh, I consider myself lucky that I really don't have any like dating app stories from hell. Uh, There's some like silly or stupid ones, but nothing really like this story I'm about to tell about Angelica and how she handled literally the most horrifying pickup line on Tinder like a fucking boss. This happened in May of 2017, but I just read about it recently. Uh, At the time, 19-year-old Angelica mostly used Tinder to goof around when hanging out with her 15-year-old sister. One Friday, her sister came across a user named Danny, in quotes, uh, whose profile picture featured him posing with Ronald McDonald. Thinking the photo funny, Angelica's sister decided to swipe right. The swipe was a match. So Danny decided to reach out to Angelica with this, quote, if I had the chance to stop the Holocaust or go on a date with you, I'd take the date with you, unquote. (laughs) Wow. Angelica uh, said she was immediately stunned by the pickup line. Duh. And she responded with a concise retort. Quote, I'm Jewish, 
unquote. <laughs> Danny's response, I'm Catholic. Angelica unmatched with Danny. Um, oh while God. offended, Angelica finally decided, quote, I gotta accept it. Tinder boys are dumb, unquote. So she posted the exchange online to entertain her friends, and it went viral on Twitter, evoking the usual wide range of reactions. Angelica said a lot of comments claimed that the guy was probably just trying to be, quote, funny, or he was just trolling. But Angela's not convinced, saying, quote, I don't think so. I feel like he genuinely thought this was a good pickup line, unquote. So just a general PSA to Danny or anyone and everyone listening, the Holocaust is not a classy pickup line. I never thought I'd have to say that. But just to be clear, (laughs) fuck it. (laughs) Don't say that ever. Oh, my God. Okay, so, yeah, I don't know if this guy is just dumb or... Or maybe he's in one of those, like, alt-right groups. <laughs> right? I, oddly, yes. Kind of keeping with the theme. Fortunately, though, uh, Angelica and Danny never went on an actual date. Unfortunately, we can't say the same for the following stories. You know, if Lindsay Savannah was on Tinder and he used that line on her, that might have been, like, a match made in hell. Um, well, he probably just uh, uses, um, you know, it's just the numbers game. You know, send that line to as many people as possible and somebody's bound to like it. Oh, no! <laughs> like Tom Haverford on... Uh, on Parks and Rec where he's like the different uh, profiles and Leslie matches with him and he, he's like, which profile did you get? And he, <laughs> she, he's like, I think she says Tom N. Haverford and he's like, that's my nerd profile. I never even checked that one. <laughs> my For that one, my favorite movie is books. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, but man. way to go, Angelica. Like you handled that like a badass. I yeah, she... Hilarious dodged a bullet there i mean you know what at least he like put it out there before they actually went on a date (laughs) well let's hear about some actual dates jared (laughs) this next story comes from fairlyminded.com and was submitted by a reddit user named the angry tarsier i don't okay know if i'm saying that right or what that there is a band called Tarsier, and that is how they, I think, how they spell it. A, sure. a tarsier. I think it's a mammal or a uh, something. Look Tar- it up. A tarsier. Spencerpedia. All right. I'm going to tell the story, though. Okay. I went out on a few dates. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, I God. know. I went out on a few dates with shit. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Aw, tarsiers are cute. They kind of look like little uh, chimp, like squirrel, <laughs> marmoset. They're, they're primates. Little- Aw, they're very cute. Look up Tarsier. Tarsier. Tarsier, whatever. <laughs> we should Still- that should be the photo that gets posted with this episode. <laughs> <laughs> just an just the just a picture of one and no explanation. All right, here we go. <laughs> I went out on a few dates with guys on OK Cupid. There was one guy who I thought was pretty cute, so I decided to take a chance and go out with him. We went out for dinner, which was fine, until he started talking about his ex-fiance, who was a dancer on some popular TV show back in the Philippines, who actually had a husband now, etc. So that already turned me off. Uh, Then we went to a movie, and he started to jerk off. (laughs) Right in the theater, he just 
unzipped his pants and started going at it and I sat next to him horrified. (laughs) He even had the nerve to tell me that I'm weird because every normal person jerks off in movie theaters. Well, to be fair. No, I'm kidding. Wait. This was during the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Then he tried to go at it with me in the theater. Okay, I... I would have, like, laughed as soon as he fucking whipped it out. Right. Uh, Then he tried to go at it with me in the theater, which I really wasn't in the mood for. (laughs) So I moved across the theater to enjoy the movie while he sat in his corner, fapping for all I know. Needless to say, we never saw each other again. The movie was great, though. Dude, I... there, There is no fucking way I would have... No, no. (laughs) <laughs> to, to be honest, if I was weirded out at dinner already, I probably I would have like did like a fake look at my phone and been like, oh, shit, I can't make the movie. I got to go. Like I wouldn't have even made it there. But yeah, I wouldn't have sat through the trailers for sure. <laughs> oh, wow. OK, well, this comes from she We were sitting on his balcony having drinks when all of a sudden there's a pounding on the door. I know it's probably super bad when he shrinks into his chair and doesn't make a move to answer it. Then we hear, I fucking know you're home. Let me in, you piece of shit. Are you with her? I look at him eyes wide as he sheepishly explains his ex is a bit unstable and refuses to believe they're broken up. And right away, I'm like going, okay, I'm sorry. And this is me, not the author. But like whenever a guy says that, I'm like, what did you do to her? That's my initial thought. (laughs) Uh, Back to the story. (laughs) After five minutes, the knocking stops. Less than a minute later, the shouting starts up again, except this time it's coming from the fence in front of us. Awesome. Then she climbs over the fence, still screaming at him, climbs up the drain pipe and over on to the balcony. I sit there in silence as they have a full-on domestic. I go to leave, and then he yells at me, telling me to sit down because the ex would be leaving immediately. Then he shouts at the ex for upsetting me. I ended up being stuck there for an hour because they were blocking the door, and unlike her, I didn't have balcony climbing skills. Uh, to quote horse hardcore favorite Chris Rock, I told you that bitch crazy. (laughs) But like, I gotta say, the fact that she was yelling and climbing a fence and climbing a drain pipe, yelling and doing all those things at the same time, that takes up a lot of breath. And I kind of admire that. And I would just be like, dude, you can have them. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I seriously, though, would have thought the same thing. Like, what did you do to make her so angry? (laughs) Right. A hundred percent. Because most women aren't going to go to that extreme unless, like, the guy really did something bad. Um, Also, I like that you added that quote in there because... (laughs) From Chris Rock. Yeah, because every single time... (laughs) Every single time that I just have to, like, get something off my chest to Spencer, even if it has nothing to do (laughs) with another person or what... Like, I could just be bitching about how... I don't know. I'm trying to think of something... How the um, how the snow is coming down? Yeah, I could be bitching about how it, like it's it's so cold outside, and I I went for a walk, and I you know I slipped and fell, and like really like hurt my tailbone, and then 
like my shoes got all wet because I stepped in a big puddle and, you know, I tripped coming up the stairs. And (laughs) after I'm done, he'll just be like, I told you that bitch was crazy. (laughs) Well, I have to give a little backstory, though. The reason why I said that is because Sharon specifically told me to say that because I would always try and like fix the thing. That's my that's my nature. I would like try and like, oh, well, what about this or blah, 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 especially if it has to do with the person. And she was like, you don't need to do that. Just sometimes I just need to vent or bitch or whatever. And so all you have to do is just say, I told you that bitch was crazy. So and it works because every time he says it, I laugh and then I forget why, I, why I'm pissed in the first place. So. And Chris Rock, he even just explains the process. Like, you don't even have to listen, Spencer. You just throw in a few like, uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. wow. Really? Oh, okay. <laughs> I told- then- oh, thank you, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> Rewatch the bit. You'll get it. You'll get it. Uh, he knows. <laughs> we've, we've watched that stand-up special so many times. That's really funny, though. That's cute. all right so this comes from cosmopolitan.com this is the second episode where we've used cosmo as a yeah as a uh, a reference and i i don't read cosmo um i don't read any (laughs) magazines currently but i just think it's funny that on whores talk horror Uh, This is becoming a a popular (laughs) reference for us. (laughs) All right. So this comes from Cosmo.com from someone named Lilith. I met a guy from Tinder for drinks. He seemed hot and cool and normal when we were chatting over text. He was not as hot in person at all, but it wasn't a deal breaker. He seemed pretty socially awkward. So we had our first drink and we are just making light conversation. By then, I already knew that there was no chemistry and was ready to call it a night. But it became so much worse than simple bad chemistry. After he finished his drink, I guess the alcohol made him loosen up because all of a sudden he blurted out, do you want kids? (laughs) I was like, uh, maybe at some point, but felt so uncomfortable because who asked that on a first date? (laughs) And I assume that he was asking because I was a little bit older than him and maybe he was thinking about the stereotype of women hitting 30 and becoming baby crazy, but that wasn't why he was asking (laughs) Then he said, I'm asking because before this goes any further, I should tell you that I shouldn't have children. I have a history of violence and many of my family members are in jail and it doesn't feel responsible for me to procreate. Literally just after one drink together on the first date, he was confessing all of this to me. I texted my friend to call and say there was an emergency, literally like out of sex in the city. And she came to my rescue. So again, like you said earlier, Sharon, at least he was upfront about it early on and he was self-aware enough to be responsible. I agree. I wish more people would be more self-aware and realize that they should never become parents. <laughs> but that's, yeah. Oh, Tinder. <laughs> okay, well, so this next one uh, comes from Ranker.com. Uh, in February 2015, 26-year-old Alana Rose Jones from Brisbane, Australia, had matched with a man again on our friend Tinder. Um, the two met up and went bar hopping and later to Jones's house. Once there, Jones's date passed out and he received, sorry, and he received a text message on his phone from his girlfriend asking where he was. Jones saw the text and decided to give the woman a call. 
she informed the girlfriend that she'd slept with her man. When lover boy woke up, Jones, in a rage, grabbed a kitchen knife and began slashing at him and told him to get out of her home. After the man left, Jones called the police, telling them she had just stabbed a man who tried to attack her. Sorry, can't help it. The man survived his injuries, and Jones was arrested. She avoided jail time by pleading guilty to assault charges. I'm just going to say, I told you that bitch was crazy. (laughs) That's kind of amazing to me, though, because, okay, that's a bit extreme to be like... You, we went on one date. You lied about having a girlfriend. I'm going to slash you. But I respect that she called the police and like took responsibility for being a crazy bitch. Uh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a little extreme um, after one date. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, you know, but true. Like, you don't know her history with right. men. I mean, she could have had, you know... She could have a lot of trauma from past relationships, people cheating on her, abusive relationships. You don't know her backstory. Right. Um, But yeah, not a great first date. (laughs) Right. All right. So this comes from menshealth.com. After a movie date, another movie date, after a movie date with a guy I met on Tinder and another, (laughs) I'm, you know, uh, this episode brought to you by Tinder (laughs) and Cosmo. I was just going to say, this is, uh, I mean, I think people already know Tinder's not the greatest, but this is definitely some bad publicity for Tinder on this episode. Yeah. Right. (laughs) All right. So after a movie date with a guy I met on Tinder, we came back to my place. We'll call him dude not to be confused with the dude right from the big lebowski i told him we could hang for a bit oh god I, all right i remember this story now yep and i have <laughs> strong feelings about this story but go ahead <laughs> oh, i told him we can hang for a bit but i have work in the morning so i would need to go to sleep soon dude said that was fine but he was hungry and he was going to order food Okay, sure. Dude orders. <laughs> I love how she calls him dude. And Spencer has not heard this story, by the way. Oh, so okay. I can't wait to see his reaction. Don't read along. I won't. <laughs> I won't. All right. Um, but he was hungry and he was going to order food. Okay, sure. Dude orders two large subs from Potbelly and milkshakes, downs it, and we end up messing around a bit and fall asleep in bed. Ooh. I wake up to my front door <laughs> opening and closing several times over a five-minute period. I'm going to try not to laugh through this whole story. My dogs are going nuts, and it's 1 a.m. What the heck is this guy doing? I walk around the corner to make eye contact with dude who is in a squatting position over my toilet with a stick poking around in murky brown poop water that is millimeters from overflowing onto my bathroom floor. Horrified, he yells, stop looking at me. (laughs) Go back to bed. I have it under control. I'm still waking up trying to understand what I'm seeing and what's going on. And I just start nervous laughing. I don't know what else to do. He yells, why don't you have a plunger? For real, dude. And I say, I don't know. I've never needed one until now. He tells me to go back to bed. He has it under control. Clearly. Uh Yeah. 
I remember hearing him peek in my room a bit later and heard, I fixed it, and then heard him leave and my door closed behind him. The next morning, I hesitantly approached my toilet to find that the water is down, but there is something poking out from the bottom of the toilet like he didn't get it all. Upon further inspection, what I see was the tip of a stick, some gloves, towels and barbecue tongs <laughs> later i pulled out approximately three feet of stick from my toilet that had broken off followed by several other stick fragments dude had broke several sticks i heard my door open and close so much because he was going outside to look for a stick one would break and then he'd go get another dude had left drippy poop water stains all over my bathroom floor after work that day i went straight to the store and bought a plunger Okay, I'm going to adjust my opinion on this, actually, because, yeah, dude was an idiot. But also, why would you not have a plunger in your bathroom? I'm sorry. I feel very strongly about that. Like, we don't have a plunger in our bathroom. I'm pretty sure. I thought you did. Or at least I like. Well, it's actually outside. <laughs> okay. But like, <laughs> you our, have like, little, one. Like, we do have one. But honestly, we don't have to use it too, too often because the toilets in our buildings are they're similar to um they don't have a tank yeah on them they're tankless and they are kind of like ones that you would find in a public restroom they're like the old school because we live in like an old building and yeah they're really good at flushing like you can flush a lot of shit down there without it getting clogged (laughs) yeah no that's that's how mine are too but i think like in my lifetime just in general well i don't think i know i've had a weird i've had weird toilet karma like I've always like I one time was at someone's house and like went to use the bathroom and the previous user had fucked up the toilet and like just left it so I was the asshole who had to be like you have a plunger your toilet's about to overflow like it's always weird toilet shit literally with me so I am a stickler about making sure that I know that there's a plunger either nearby or having one and I don't like we all poop. And the fact that she's like, well, I never needed a plunger till you came over. Like, whatever. Get a plunger. But also there like there's no way I could have just gone back to bed. I'm such a, a clean freak. And like my OCD, I would have been like, get the fuck out of my house. I'm taking care of this shit right now. Well, like, and also, though, why would he? That, that was where I was like, wait, what, I need to adjust my comments on this. Because, like, why the fuck was he going outside for sticks? Like, not to be <laughs> gross, but I would have gone for the tongs first. Ew, but then then what do you do with the tongs? Do you, like, throw them away? Do you tell her? Like, I, the whole yes. thing. Yes, it's a bad situation. The whole thing is a horrible situation. <laughs> but then he, di- like, you know, I... Yeah. He should have just manned up and been like, um, I accidentally clogged your toilet. Do you have a plunger? Instead yeah. of shoving, what, he shoved towels, barbecue tongs, three, a three foot fucking stick. Like, yeah, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, the stick part is weird. <sighs> wow. Okay. But moral <laughs> of the story, have a plunger in your house. Don't be a fucking savage. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, Especially if Mindy comes over. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. So now we're going to uh, wrap this episode up and tell you a few good things that you can watch on Valentine's Day, either with someone or without someone. Doesn't matter. 
Go for it. What are we going to watch, Sharon? All right. So our good friend, the Oxygen Network, has a four-night Valentine's Day weekend event beginning Thursday, February 11th, and goes through Sunday, February 14th. Uh, I will actually probably be watching this alone (laughs) because Spencer doesn't like watching this shit with me. Um, So he'll probably be in the office watching something else. Um, But it is their A Date with Death event. Included in this special event is the two-night series premiere of Lover's Lane Murders, as well as brand new episodes of shows like An Unexpected Killer, Killer Motive, One Deadly Mistake, Snapped Behind Bars, and Exhumed, all dealing with the themes of love. We will include the list of shows in our episode description with the dates and the times. I will also be watching this. I've been seeing like actual previews for this for a week now, and I'm kind of psyched. <laughs> um, Lover's Lane Murders, first two episodes premiere on Thursday, February 11th at 9 or 8 Central and 10 or 9 Central, followed by the third and fourth episodes on Friday, February 12th, Again, 9 or 8 Central and 10 and 9 Central. The series covers chilling and eerie connections and similarities to four brutal double murders between 1986 and 1990. A team of former FBI special agents intend to bring the victims justice and provide answers to the victims' families. The commercial shows a detective somewhat embarrassingly saying they were all killed at... Lover's Lane. I can't wait for this. (laughs) Sounds, yeah, sounds cheesy in a very entertaining way. Yes. A new episode of An Unexpected Killer premieres Friday, February 12th at 8, 7 Central. A loving single mother of two is the victim of a bizarre murder leading detectives to investigate a number of suspects until a killer who's been boldly living out in the open is caught. Hmm. I dig this show, actually. I watched I've never show. seen that show. Yeah. I've never seen any of these shows, actually, except for um, Snapped. Well, week Valentine's Day week. You're going to have some catching up to do. Yeah. (laughs) Um, An all-new episode of Killer Motive premieres Saturday, February 13th at 6, 5 Central. A popular chiropractor is healthy one day, but dies a painful death the next. When doctors discover that the reason for her death is far from natural causes, police must uncover who would want a woman with a seemingly perfect life dead and why. The season premiere of One Deadly Mistake is Saturday, February 13th at 7, 6 Central. When a free-spirited young woman is found murdered in her kitchen, police in Chicopee, Massachusetts have no shortage of suspects. Detective realized the clues that leads to her killer is actually hidden in plain sight. Catch a special one-hour snapped. Behind Bars, Sunday, February 14th at 6-5 Central. In a brand new jailhouse interview, Sabrina Zunick tells the chilling story behind her foster mother's murder and describes the salacious secrets that led to it. In her own words, she details why she snapped 
and f- yep, <laughs> Sorry. and how she feels about it now behind bars. This is a really fucked up story. Uh, so I would actually like Google it right quick if you don't know this story. But I'm interested in this one and romantic murder. Yay! Ooh, you you know this story? Well, I know like the basic details. Hmm, you interesting. Should, I don't know it very well though, so I'm ex- like I never saw like a documentary on it, so I'm excited to see this person interviewed. I was gonna say in person, but it'll be on TV. But yeah, I'm not gonna say anything. Go- give it a Google. It's kind of weird. It's kind of crazy. Okay. Yeah. All right. And finally, new episodes of Exhumed. I've not heard of this show before. Um, premiere Sunday, February 14th at 7, 6 Central and 8, 7 Central. In the first episode, an unconventional love story ends in murder when a mail order bride disappears without a trace. Oof. Detectives discover that someone close to her has a suspicious past and only an exhumation can solve the mystery. In the following episode, a beloved wife finds her husband dead of an apparent suicide by poisoning. Mm. Mm-hmm. Not, <laughs> probably not a suicide. Just guessing. Um, suspicious detectives must exhume the body of her first husband to unearth the truth and discover a diabolical plot devised by a lovelorn black widow. I do like the show Autopsy on HBO. Um, I forget the name of the the pathologist that hosts that show, but uh, it's a really good show. But he's he's like a very well known pathologist, and he's worked on a lot of famous cases. Awesome. Well, that that's some television to watch if you're interested. But if horror movies are more your thing. Don't you worry, we've got you covered. Here's a list of some of the best Valentine's Day horror movies. Uh, First, we have My Bloody Valentine. There's the 1981 version, the original, and then the remake from 2009, um, which I have seen both of these. I kind of like the the original better, but, you know, some people like the remake better. They're, They're both not bad. In the original, a decades-old folk tale surrounding a deranged murderer killing those who celebrate Valentine's Day turns out to be true to legend when a group defies the killer's order and people start turning up dead. And in the 2009 film, Tom returns to his hometown on the 10th anniversary of the Valentine's Night Massacre that claimed the lives of 22 people. Instead of a homecoming, Tom finds himself suspected of committing the murders, and it seems like his old flame is the only one that believes he's innocent. Huh. I've not seen the new one. Have you seen the original? A long time ago. I might actually rewatch it in honor of Valentine's Day. Do it. Um, the second movie we have is simply called Valentine from 2001, starring Denise Richards. Five women are stalked by an unknown assailant while preparing for Valentine's Day. And if Denise Richards is in it, you know it's going to be entertaining one way or another. <laughs> I have not seen this movie, but it does not have great reviews. <laughs> it did, I've never heard of it, but in, like until we were preparing for this episode so well there's a reason for that mindy i yes i'm pretty sure there is (laughs) 
Uh, next up, we have Lover's Lane from 1999. A man who committed a series of murders 13 years ago begins to hunt down his victim's children. That sounds kind of interesting. I may have to give that a watch. It also kind of sounds like initially I was like, isn't that a nightmare on Elm Street? But like technically, not really. Because yeah. Freddy killed children as a human and then the parents killed him as a response and then he hunted down his killer's children so it's a little different yes yeah now that we've cleared that up um <laughs> uh the next movie is my boyfriend's back na 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 ayla ayla my boyfriend's back yay <laughs> from 1993 a teenage boy comes back from the dead because he is determined to win the most beautiful girl in school wah, wah. just kidding it's probably fun i feel like i actually saw this movie but i don't really remember it Aww. yeah this is more like a um horror comedy yeah yeah um i have not heard of this next movie oh but- I actually want to check this one out. It's called Picnic at Hanging Rock. It's from 1975. To celebrate Valentine's Day, teachers at an austere Australian boarding school take a group of students on an outing to the mysterious Hanging Rock. Soon after their arrival, the headmistress and three girls go exploring and mysteriously disappear. One week later, a sole survivor returns to school with hardly any memory of the incident. Yeah, this is a weird one, um, and it's definitely worth watching. You guys, I think it's actually on the Criterion uh, streaming thing. Hulu did a miniseries fairly recently based on this. Um, I will say this movie is very 70s and very, very hippie. Uh, so trigger warning for those of you that are not into hippies and shit like that. But it's an Trigger story. warning if you're not into hippies. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Wow. All right. I like hippies. There you I go. I mean, I think they're pretty cool. I only watch things with hippies. <laughs> and it's actually a really beautiful, like, it's beautiful to watch movie. So, but yeah. Mm. And check it out. I encourage mm. you to check it out. Uh, and finally, we have X-Ray from 1981. As it's mostly known here in the U.S., though it's sometimes called, it's a, by its original title, Hospital Massacre, or depending on the country of release, it could be known by any number of similar title variations. Seriously, it's worth a check on IMDb. It's kind of weird. But anyway, a young nurse is stalked by a maniac out to avenge a long-ago Valentine's Day humiliation. I wonder if there's an x-ray machine involved in this one. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? Honestly, there might not be at all. <laughs> because sometimes they just come up with names in movies that like like Hospital Massacre wouldn't translate in any other language. They're like, what's in a hospital? X-ray machines. Cool. Let's call it x-ray. <laughs> Done. Or Chopping Mall, where nobody gets chopped. Exactly. Oh. Where it's about killer robots. It has nothing to do... There's Yeah, there's no chopping. There's no knives or axes or anything. Um, yeah, I've heard this movie is really fucking nuts. Really? <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to check it out. I heard it's fucking nuts. <laughs> okay. I don't... I, I'm, I'm blanking on everything I read about it, because I wrote this up like a couple weeks ago and I don't remember what it said on IMDb but I remember people being like this movie's insane I fucking love it um so yeah <laughs> okay so yeah check that out and that is it 
everyone. We hope you all have a great Valentine's Day if you're into that thing. Or if you're not, we hope, you know, you at least have some new suggestions of things to watch. Exactly. Um, but thank you all for listening to us. As always, you can write to us at whorestalkwhore at gmail.com with anything you want to share with us. Uh, tell us your stories about blind dates from hell. Uh, any dating app horror stories that you want to share with us. Breakups from hell. Or share ghost stories, true crime stories, creepy stories. Whatever you would not mind us reading on our show. <laughs> we would very much appreciate that. Yes, especially the the dating app horror stories. Those are very very fun. <laughs> oh, those are really entertaining. <laughs> and if you're the woman who cl- who climbed up the drain pipe and you're possibly listening to this, t- please write us and tell us what that asshole did because we want to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, please subscribe to us and rate and review us. It really does help us get more exposure. Uh, if you are able, please join our Patreon if you want to have early access to episodes, see exclusive posts, and maybe get some cool shit. Uh, please be kind to each other. Be safe. It's snowing in Chicago in the, at this very moment as we're recording this. So be safe physically, literally, but also be safe with each other. Be good to each other. And as always, thanks thanks for for getting getting creepy creepy with with us. Sharon, do you want a beer? Uh, Oh, my God.